And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by StravaCraft Coffee. You get 20% off your StravaCraft Coffee when you use the promo code DNVR20. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as is the case most of the time, is our beat writer, Patrick Lyons. And joining us for this one is, and I'm going to read it straight off of your Twitter bio because I was just going to say broadcaster, but I realized that's that's shorting you. You're a man of many hats. Whole thing. <laughs> the director of broadcasting and sales of Grand Junction Rockies, Kyle Kirchival. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. This is a. I know I've met Patrick before. The last time we talked, I think, was in a broadcast booth in Colorado Springs. And uh, so this is the first time I've talked to him since then. And then, Drew, I think I've been following you on Twitter for like 15 years. So it's an honor right. to be meeting you virtually here. So thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny that our, our paths haven't actually crossed as you sort of come up in the Grand Junction world as I've stopped making my way over there as often. And I, I was a bit more familiar with your predecessor. But why don't you tell us a bit about that, um, your job, what it entails uh, like I, I just said, you're a, you're a man of many hats there, and and how you you came to be in this job. Yeah, so it's, it's, if you were to do every duty, you know, put every duty I have on a business card, you need like seven business cards taped together. Uh, and I'm sure, as you guys know, here in the world of minor league baseball, everyone does a little bit of everything. So there's only three full time staff here in Grand Junction in the front office, including myself. Uh, so it, it, everyone has their hands in everything for the most part. Uh, but, you know, I'm sort of on the forefront of all the media stuff, obviously the broadcasts, uh, running social, and then, yeah, during the offseason doing a whole bunch of sales. Um, so uh, as far as getting into the spot in Grand Junction, I mean, I obviously grew up a Rockies fan from Parker uh, over on the front range. And so uh, I knew this team existed out here mostly because I had family out here uh, when I was growing up. My grandparents and my whole dad's side of the family grew up here in Grand Junction. So um, I knew the team existed. And when it finally, you know, when they finally showed up onto the Western Slope after coming down from Casper, it was one of those things where I knew I wanted to do broadcasting and baseball. And uh, I knew I had family over here and it was in Grand Junction. It made a whole lot of sense. And so I was just like, hey, I'm I want that job. You know, I think I, I got a little tour of the park or something in like maybe 2013, 2014. And I'd met some of the front office staff at the time. And I said, yeah, no, I'd love to work here someday. And didn't really think it would be a reality. And then uh, got uh, got to do the broadcast last summer, which was obviously great. My first professional broadcasting gig. So that was a complete blast. And I guess uh, they liked me enough to offer me a full time gig out here and uh, help do some stuff uh, throughout the whole year. So really, it's an honor to be here. And I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, there, there. This was a very uh, big year, I think, for Grand Junction Rockies as far as prospects go. They always, you know, seem to draft well and and send some really top guys to Grand Junction on the Western Slope. But I think this year, there really were a lot of key performers 
a couple on the pitching side, but a lot on the offensive side. So, you know, you could probably talk a lot more about your, your experience in general, but you might as well just jump right into the players. What was your, what were your first takes from, from, you know, seeing these guys on a daily basis who jumped out the most to you? Oh man, there's so many guys to pick from. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, offensively, there's just going through the lineup was crazy. And I mean, I remember talking to broadcasters for opposing teams, you know, before every game and it was like, oh my God, you know, everyone's hitting 340 plus and we're in game like 25 of the season. And everyone's like, how are we supposed to compete with this? Um, but, uh, you know, guys like Brenton Doyle, I mean, fourth round pick from, from last year. I mean, he's just pretty much a five tool player already. And you just look at that guy's swing and you, you can totally see him, you know, wearing the pinstripes in Coors Field someday. He just carries that aura with him that you're like, man, that guy is a stud. Um, and it, great personality, great guy in the locker room. Uh, Eddie Diaz, definitely a guy that everyone loves to watch. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see the full extent of him this last season since he got hurt about like, three quarters of the way through the season. So uh, he would have run away with the stolen base titles and I think played like 20 less games than the stolen base leader and still finished like one behind. So, uh, I mean, he was totally on pace to, to dominate that. Uh, a good contact swing, lacks a little bit in power, but so aggressive, so much fun on the base paths. And as a broadcaster, you know, those are the kind of guys you dream of uh, that are they're going to be out there scrapping around, diving all over the place, trying to steal first, you know, second and third in the on, in two pitches. So uh, those guys were great. They definitely stood out to me. Christian Koss, Colin Simpson. I mean, I could go on and on. Obviously, Simpson was Pioneer League Player of the Year, uh, the guy they call Tank which is just awesome because he's like 6'5", 220, and was a gymnast. And now he plays baseball, which, of course, you know, is a total normal, you know, transition there. Um, but he was so much fun to watch, another great guy. And so, especially on the offensive side, I could go on and on. Um, but if you want to hear pitching, I mean, you've got Helker Solaveres. I mean, just a young stud that was 19, I think, in the season. And uh, he kind of came out of nowhere. We knew we had high velo on his fastball and that he had a pretty good breaking ball. Uh, but it was sort of working on that changeup and getting a little bit more consistent with uh, with his off speed. Um, and so we didn't really know what to expect from him at the start of the year. And then he shows up and absolutely dominates. I mean, he was striking guys out all over the place last year, could ramp the fastball up to 96, 97, and then throw a, a breaking ball in the in the low 80s, which is, you know, obviously at the rookie level is like, oh, my God. So he was so much fun to watch. Gavin Hollowell, uh, the Slenderman, that dude's like 7, you know, 10 or whatever. And <laughs> I can – come hit you with this crazy arm angle and just a wipeout, you know, Adam Ottavino-esque slider. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, so yeah, there's there's so many fun guys to watch last year. I was truly fortunate to get to watch such an exciting group uh, in my first year. I know Bill Schmidt, uh, scouting director for the Rockies, had said uh, Jacob Kostyshock was another one of those guys who was a pleasant surprise and really jumped out this season for you guys. Absolutely. And he has the best name in the Pioneer League, which is great. So social media, uh, that guy. I was going to say, can you say that again? Yeah, Jacob Kostashak. Awesome. You know, I saw them draft him and I was like, oh, man, he played the long hair, too. Just was awesome. The perfect bullpen guy. And uh, he was so much fun to watch. You know, he's got that SEC pedigree coming coming from Arkansas. And so he he was so used to I remember the first day he showed up and I, I was talking to him and I was like, so what is this like, you know, coming from you know, that baseball world and then stepping it to Saplesio Field in Grand Junction. I was like, that's got to feel like a bit of a drop off. <laughs> he, he was like, oh, no, no, I love it. This is this is great. It's a lot of fun. And um, 
but yeah, he, he took his role and ran with it. I mean, Jake Opitz, the Rockies manager, did, did a great job of, of mixing everyone in, you know, at, as is the job of those minor league managers, especially at this level, just to get those guys innings and to take care of arms. And uh, Costa Shock sort of fell into that setup man, seventh, eighth inning role and was just fantastic all season. So consistent. I think there was only one or two games where, you know, he had even given up one or two base runners in an inning. So he was so much fun to watch and absolutely keep an eye on him. Definitely. We got a, a ringing endorsement here from someone called uh, Sideline Krauts has interacted with Kyle while working for the Owls last season. Great guy. Hey, appreciate the shout out. <laughs> yeah, it was that was that was so much fun. I mean, I, it's one of those things where you hear all about getting into minor league baseball and the camaraderie and everyone that's sort of in this, you know, cult of baseball. And uh, it was so fun to get to meet everybody in every city we went to. Everybody was so friendly. And, uh, you know, it was kind of scary coming in because the Rockies had had Adam Spillane running this show since they came to Grand Junction. And so I was this new guy straight out of college. You know, everyone sees it's another guy from ASU. So they're automatically like, of course. Um, and so <laughs> they're trying to differentiate yourself and, you know, build up some credibility. And it was such a great place to get to do that. And I have to give a huge shout out to, all the visiting parks we went to, all the broadcasters and all the front office staff that were so great to me and really helped make it an awesome summer. Well, you mentioned the entirety of the of the Pioneer League. I, I've only gone, I've only been to Saplesio Field. Uh, I, I don't know if Drew has, has gotten out to any of the other ballparks in the Pioneer League, but is there is there one in particular or, or a couple that stand out as being a, a beautiful location that, you know, Fans should possibly take a drive and and uh, watch their their Grand Junction Rockies play. Sure. So I can't speak on Missoula and Idaho Falls since we weren't there last season. Um, but of the places we went to, I mean, obviously Ogden uh, over there is is fantastic. Lindquist Field. I mean, you have the awesome view of the mountains uh, from the press box out in center field, and then you've got the the, the church out there in center field. And then, so that kind of just rises up above everything, which is really cool. Uh, great park there. Orem, very similar. You get that, that same backdrop with the mountains, which is great. Um, I was really surprised by, I don't know if surprise is the right word. I just really wasn't informed about what to expect in Billings, Montana. I knew it was a cool city and everyone had said, Oh, you're going to, you're going to really like Billings. And, you know, I think the 23 hour bus ride sort of doles your excitement after a while, but <laughs> pulling in there and, uh, you know, comment, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but you're driving on this road on a plateau and you just look down and the city's in a valley down there and you're just sitting on top of this, this hill right next to the airport. And it's just classic, you know, Montana flat. And then it just drops off and there's the city. And so the ballpark just backs up right against that. And the center field wall is almost adjacent to those cliffs there. And so you're just sitting in the press box watching this game unfold. And then you have this whole rock wall out in center field, which is really cool. And so that, that city was great. And that park was, was really fun. I really wish we had spent more than just four games there, but I, I can definitely do without the bus ride. Yeah, I remember having that exact conversation with Dom Nunez probably five years ago now or something. Whenever he was out in Grand Junction and he was asking me, he was like, hey, you ever make the trip out to Billings? That's where we're headed next. And I was going, no. And he was like, man, I can't make, recommend making the trip, but it's a nice place. <laughs> Just yeah, like, very true. Very true. Uh, um, so in, in your first year, you, you had mentioned being surprised by, you know, or again, surprised, whatever we're, we're using that word loosely, sure. but what, 
what were some of the other things in your first year that uh, maybe you you weren't expecting, or you're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to learn how to do this quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, there was definitely a lot of that, and that's def- that's still happening now. I mean, every day there's something where I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah I have to do that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you practice it in school and everything, and you read about it, and you see all these other people doing it. You're like, oh, it can't be that bad. And then you know, hey, you're you're gonna learn Forge. You're gonna learn how to run an entire website. It's like okay, great. You know, right into the fire. Um, but those little logistical things, you know, you know, I've had a lot of help. The front office and everybody here has been great in, uh, in getting me through that. But as far as surprises, I mean, I, I, I knew I was a great sleeper. Uh, I could, I was sort of, I'm sort of notorious in my family, uh, for being able to fall asleep anywhere at any time. Uh, and I knew I would be put to the test this season or this last season, you know, driving the, making these pioneer league road trips, and uh, I can confirm that I am a great sleeper. I was surprised at how well I could just put my head on a pillow and I'd be out. Next thing I know, six hours later, we're pulling into Ogden. Uh, so that's been pretty nice. And I realized that that's a luxury that not a lot of people have. I was going to say, that's an underrated skill, man. I never realized yeah. how much I needed that until just now. <laughs> it's, great. Yeah, it's, it's really great. Um, and it, I know a lot of the players are back there trying to sleep and, you know, we have it nice, you know, sitting up at, at the front of the bus and I'm with the coaches and it's great. And, you know, those guys are all, all packed there, you know, doing the classic minor league pioneer league road trip. So, um, but yeah, it, it's apparently it's for me, it's easier you know, for a lot of people, no one understands what that's like, but I'm just like, yeah, bus ride, sure, that's fine. I'll, I'll sleep through most of it. But uh, yeah, that's definitely a big surprise. Big surprise. You talk about life on the bus. I, I imagine you've seen Bull Durham before. Of course, yes. Uh, of course. Yes. So what can you, what can you share about what, what a typical road trip is like as, as far as what the bus layout is like? What are guys doing to pass the time? Are they sleeping on top of the... Of the luggage racks, which that that has happened in the past. I know Randy Johnson and Larry Walker used to do that in, in their days in the minors with the Expo. Uh-huh. So uh, try to paint that picture of what the glamorous life of a professional ball player. <laughs> I, absolutely. No, I, I will say quickly, I mean, there's guys like me that are 5'7", so it's a lot easier for us sitting in the bus. You know, we can spread out, and it's great. And most of the guys are not that size. Uh, so uh, it pains to be short at this level. But, um, no, the bus rides are so much fun. And, I mean, that's – if you, you know, played high school baseball or college baseball or anything like that, you remember what those bus rides were like going to other schools and, and getting to do that. And that was so much fun. You know, that's where you made friends and had a great time. And it's it's the same thing here in the Pioneer League. But you've got guys coming from all over the world, which which is so cool. And it's really neat to see the transition that everyone goes through where, the, you know, they, they show up in the first couple of days – and no one really knows anyone. And maybe, you know, some guy played with someone in Cape Cod. And so they recognize them or, you know, the guys from the Dominican Republic, you know, came up together. And so they know each other, but no one really talks to each other. And they're all kind of just sitting around and, and being quiet and figuring it out. Then by the end of the season, you know, they, they got the speaker set up. Everyone's blasting music and they're dancing around. And so-and-so's trying to sleep up in the front and they're yelling back to the guys that are dancing in the back. And so... It's um, it's a lot of fun, and it's it's something that you really have to just experience to understand. Um, but yeah, there have been some, especially on those long road trips, guys sleeping on the floor. Uh, people start buying uh, sleeping bags and throwing those out. Those are really nice. Um, I'm trying to think that the ways that people would sleep was is quite unbelievable. You know, the body can contort in all kinds of ways. Uh, but these guys really tested that out. I mean, they have to go sleep 
you know, on the floor on a bus and then go play, you know, four hours of baseball, which I can't imagine doing. Um, but yeah, it's definitely one of those things where everyone's like, oh, you're a major league baseball player. Oh, you're flying, you know, chartered flights everywhere. And, you know, they got food set up for you. No, 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 no. We're taking the bus at 4 a.m. and we're going to Ogden. And then, you know, we're maybe getting into the hotel at a decent hour. And I think people, you know, some people understand and some people don't. But unless you kind of get to be on the front lines, you don't really have an understanding of it. I imagine a guy like Gavin Hollowell at six foot seven, sleeping like a flamingo, just standing up with his head on top of the ceiling on one leg. Just, hey, however you got to get it done, man. It's- that's, that's it. That's it. And guys would make deals with each other where it'd be like, okay, you know, I'll, you sleep on the across the two seats for the first four hours, and then I'll sleep, then you switch and you'll go onto the floor. And so, you know, they'd have that those setups and the guys who have the unlimited data on their phones would, you know, have their phone up above their eyes and there'd be a, a glow coming from the back. Someone's watching, you know, Parks and Rec for seven straight hours or whatever. So, um, yeah, quite a fun dynamic. That's for sure. Is that the top currency, unlimited data? If you're like a minor <laughs> you are the guy like, oh, this guy must have been a first round pick if he's got unlimited data. Is that the top currency? I think it has to be. Yeah, the, the data is big or the guy that has like the switch or that, you know, brought their PlayStation along or something like that. <laughs> I mean, they were playing like Fortnite in the back all season with, you know, you, you'd have the guys with the deck of cards in the front, you know, and it looks they look like they're in, you know, 1876. And then, no, 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 you want to be with the Fortnite guys in the back. You know, they, they've been squatting up on the whole ride there. So. Um, yeah, there's, there, it's interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. The, the currency, the snacks, obviously, if you have the snacks that that's big, but nobody really, nobody wants to share, you know? So what's a, what's a, what's a popular snack amongst the boys? Bugles? How do, how do <laughs> I don't, I don't think I saw any bugles. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> bugles, yeah. Um, let's see. Call that. Um, it kind of varies. It'd be funny because everyone would be hiding They'd have their plastic bag from the 7-Eleven or the whatever convenience store we stop at. And then they'd have to walk past, you know, like our trainer and the physical performance coach with their bag of Doritos and Dr. Pepper and Twinkies or whatever. So someone would always be giving them a hard time for, you know, what are you doing? You know, you realize how many calories that has? Um, So that was sort of a, a part of the game. And so sometimes you didn't get to see what people were eating. And other times you could just like smell it. Like whoever has the Jack links, like, you know, you know, you'll smell that on the whole bus right over. So I say a lot of beef jerky, a lot of chips, uh, chips are, are big Skittles. There's always a Skittle on the floor that always, I mean, always. yeah. So it varies. It varies. That's for sure. All right. So we got a, a great question on Twitter that I want to get to okay. in just a second. But first, it's a tease. I got to let you know, everybody knows that Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. I'm known to enjoy them with regularity. But uh, the farmhouse, their restaurant is still kicking during this time. And if you order meal and beer from the farmhouse use code dnvr you'll get five bucks off it's great food it's great beer and now it's cheaper it and you if you support them you're basically supporting us twice uh and just helping out a really great local business that could use your help during this time and you know maybe eating something other than whatever you've been able to cook yourself the last five days which i'm telling you i've run out of the things i know how to make I did on day three, but whatever. So head over to the farmhouse or call 303-803-1380. 
anytime from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. for a pickup order. They'll even bring it out to your car for you. Don't forget to use that code DNVR. It'll get you five bucks off the whole thing. You can get food and they'll bring you beer too. So make sure you get that in. Uh, you'll, you will definitely, definitely not regret it. Here's the question from the Twitter that uh, just came up on a reply. And they don't, so I can't put it up on the screen here, but it comes from Mike, the Mizzou fan. We'll overlook that. Uh, <laughs> nope, not answering it. Next one. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, actually, a great baseball question. Guys, isn't it nice to talk baseball again? And this is a great baseball story. Um, he wants to know, how did Max George look at catcher? I wants to know, how is Max George? Like, that is <laughs> – I remember seeing him however many years ago at shortstop and there were, there was, I don't know if a lot of hype, but there was really a lot of belief in the, the defense was there and the bat never really came around, but he did work his way up. So for people that don't know the background, you know, I think, did he even get up to triple a, I know he played double a, but I think Max George may even have a few triple a innings under his belt. No, I don't know if he got that far. I don't know. Okay. He might've, he but, um, yeah, he played he, in double A as a middle infielder. Yeah, yeah, that for sure. That for sure. Yeah, no, he uh it, it's funny with Max George. We actually go a little bit of a ways back. Uh he, so I went to Legend High School in, in Parker and he went to Regis. And so we're the same age. And so there were there were times where you know Legend High School would play Regis in, in baseball. So I'm sure I probably throughout, you know, growing up playing baseball, played against him at some point. Uh, he's from Aurora. I'm from Parker. I mean, those are right there. So um, I'm sure we've run into each other at some point. But the thing is, is once you get to the high school level, you know, I'm playing like on the sophomore team and obviously he is not. Um, so he, um, so we kind of, I knew of him just kind of growing up and then, uh, yeah, saw he was on the roster last year and knew that he was a middle infielder. Um and so that was one of the first conversations I had with Jake Opitz. I was like, hey, what's, you know, what's Max doing back down here again? He's like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're going to convert him to catcher because we think that's the best way we can get him up to the big leagues. That's where we, we, we have a need there. We don't need another middle infielder. So, all right. So I remember talking to him about, you know, do you have any experience catching? You know, wh when was the last time you caught? And he's like, well, I think I did, you know, in middle school. I think it, oh, okay. Oh. Should be interesting. Um, so, you know, you expect to see a guy back there just having things fly back to the backstop and overthrowing second base. And he was really solid back there defensively. Um, I think uh, given the experience he's had offensively, um, it's, it was pretty easy for him to hit at this level. At least it seemed like that. Obviously, it's not easy to hit in any level of professional baseball. But he, um, he, he was the uh, Pioneer League player of the week, the very first week of the season. And uh, he was really the only offensive threat for the first seven or six games. Nobody else had really uh, figured it out yet, gotten into a groove. But you could see, you know, that experience coming through for a guy like him that spent a couple more years uh, in the organization. But he looked really solid behind the plate. And then uh, about halfway through the season, yeah, he went over to uh, to Asheville. And so uh, he, he left and uh, didn't get to see any more of him at catcher. But when he was here – offensively he looked really solid he, he led the team in home runs for like the first two or three weeks and um again was played a very solid catcher and it i think it's just great to have a guy like him 
you know, he, uh, catching wise, he might not be super polished, but working with those young pitchers that are 18, 19 years old and are just getting their first taste of professional baseball or maybe their first taste of America and having a guy like Max George back there, who's kind of been there, done that as far as being a pioneer league player goes, I think that's pretty reassuring and having a veteran like that on the team goes a long ways. I think that's, that's a compliment in this organization, especially you look at, you know, Tony Walters uh, transformation from a middle infielder to ultimately one of the top defensive catchers in, in all of the national league. So you you talk about George behind the plate. Colin Simpson was a guy who was third in the pioneer league in, in home runs with 18 and, third in, in OPS at, at 1050. Unbelievable. How's his glove? Uh, is there a chance possibly in the next couple of years, maybe he moves out from behind the plate? What did, what did you notice from his 2019 season? So he actually started the season in left field and played primarily outfield and DH really up until the last few weeks. And then he started the catch. Um, so that was kind of interesting to see. Um, yeah. They had a uh, Roniker Palma was pretty much the everyday catcher. Uh, for the Grand Junction Rockies last year. Um, but yeah, I think Simpson probably, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if he'll be able to play outfield uh, that much longer. But the thing is, is you look at him and he's, he's kind of a, a strong, stocky guy. And you're like, there's no way that that guy can cover left field, right? And then he's out there and he's so much faster than you think. And he's, he stole like 18 bases at Oklahoma State in his last season there, and he stole a couple of bases in Grand Junction. And you're like, what? How is this happening? Um, but he he's sort of the, one of those guys that you'll figure out a way to get him into the lineup. So as much versatility as you can give him is great. He can play first. He can play left. He can catch. And he, he said he played a lot of second at Oklahoma State and is fine playing there. So he, he doesn't profile as a second baseman really in any way but I've seen him get it done at first catcher and then left. So I sort of just believe in the guy that he can kind of chameleon into whatever role you need him. And of course, if the guy's going to OPS 1100, you're going to, who cares, throw him, you know, find him a spot. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. So he, uh, he, he find he'll find a way into the lineup, especially if he keeps hitting like he did last year. Five of so, seven in stolen bases and four triples. Come yeah. on. That, that's sneaky, sneaky quick. What is it? Yeah. What is it? He plays offense. That's what he plays. Yeah, he plays offense. It does, and that's the thing. And you don't want to discredit his defense because he looked great. I mean, he was really solid. And uh, the le- left field at Saplesio obviously is a little bit different because you've got the the big wall that comes in only yep. about three ten. So it's it's pretty shallow out there. But I mean, he played everything off the wall really well throughout the year, and he's pretty quick. And he had a lot of. I mean, if you got Brenton Doyle or Vladimir Restituyo in center field, who are like ridiculously fast you know you can sort of make up for that range that you might lose in left but he looked great so you'll find a way they'll they'll find a way for sure there's an interesting question coming in from periscope from caleb uh asking about uh, is there a difference in the way pioneer league teams utilize analytics and and maybe even more particular to you uh you know because we have got i mean when patrick and i are sitting in the coors field press box we've got stat cast and um all the other oh i've, I've just now blanked it's been so long patrick and Seth, I've, <laughs> savant i blanked on baseball savant because i haven't brought it up to track exit velocity in real time and over in a couple of months and i'm just sad now um 
But we have the the data we have access to in real time for the major leagues is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, I'll go to look for something in the minors, and they won't have a guy's. Now they've pretty much got like WRC plus for everybody. There was a time they didn't even have that, you know. So it's like, how do you make your way? And uh, how do you find audiences for that type of baseball are responding to this modern age of analytics? So, I mean, I'm a big analytics guy. um, So I enjoy if I have the opportunity to talk about those things during a broadcast, I like to do so. And I sort of like to use it as a, a teaching moment, you know, not like I know more than anyone else. I'm just starting to figure this whole thing out. But um, I like to bring up things that, you know, people might not be aware of. And so if I am able to get access to that stuff, like you said, it's it, great. Um, as far as the, the players using analytics and the coaches using analytics, everything is it is so tracked with like pen and paper at the beginning. So ever, all the coaches, you know, they'll spend the first like hour and a half of the bus ride looking at these pitching logs that's, you know, every pitcher, every pitch to every batter, and then they're inputting it into a computer and then writing a report about everything. So it's, it's gotta be the most tedious thing on earth. Um, but they, they slave away at putting in this information. Um, and so I don't see how much, I don't get a huge look at how the coaches are utilizing it. Usually, I mean, obviously it's the developmental guys that are probably looking at it more than anything, but it's interesting to see how some of these players use it because some are very, like cognizant of launch angle and sort of these new terms that people are starting to learn. And there are others that are just like, you know, they take the Charlie Blackman, like, I don't care. You know, did I, did I get a hit yesterday? I did. Did we win the game? Yeah. So it's, it, I think, you know, is this generation of players and coaches starts to take over, if you will, I think it'll definitely be more prominent uh, at the minor league level. Um, but yeah, it's still a little bit raw right now. That's for sure. Yeah, you talk about you know just kind of getting into analytics for some of these young guys and really just caring about hey, what did we win the game? You know how how well did I do? The Rockies, uh, and I imagine are a lot like a lot of, a lot of other teams in regards to just viewing the minor leagues as a place for development, mm-hmm. and wins and losses aren't terribly important. But for these young guys. Uh, many of them, they don't know what the future holds. And it's very much about, you know, right now, how much did you notice the the team really grinding out in certain games? Obviously, you know, the Grand Junction was a wild card, made the playoffs this year. How much do you, did you think some of the focus for some guys maybe shifted from their own personal development to, hey, let's, we, we've got something special here. Let's really see if we can capitalize on it this season. That's a great question. And I, I think for the most part that, everyone on this team last year was very focused on winning. And I don't know if they were giving me the broadcaster, the the PC answer, uh, you know, because they know I'm going to talk about it later, you know, <laughs> with someone else. Um, but truly, I mean, the, no one, I can't think of one moment. I mean, maybe there's a couple of times where someone doesn't run out a ground ball in the middle of the sixth inning when the game's 11 to one, like, obviously that's going to happen. Um, but for the most part, guys were, working hard it was really tough to find a moment where people were putting their own personal aspirations in front of the success of the team um and i think there is definitely you know the juxtaposition of you know your own development and succeeding as a team you know how how does the organization view these things 
you know, it's, it's strange, but I think these guys really care a lot about each other and care a lot about winning because there's a sense of pride that you take with that. And I think if you say, Hey, look, if we won the game, we were doing something right. You know, someone's going to take notice of that and be like, we did what we did. You needed to do to win the game. So I think that's a great question. And for the most part, everybody that I talk to is huge when it comes to let's win the game. You know, my stats will, will, will come around and what happens happens. But priority one is we're going to get this W. I'll tell you one place. I don't have to worry about that at all, where there is an IN team where I can worry only about my own success and my own glory. And that's out there on the WGT golf course. The most realistic free golf game. It's loved by more than 20 million people around <laughs> the world. Patrick, how'd you do in the tournament this weekend? I got stupid busy and I have neighbors that I'm just, I have to move. That's the end of that story. I'm not getting into that anymore. My Sunday was ruined. How did your tournament go? <laughs> my my Sunday was ruined by the tournament. <laughs> I... Did not practice beforehand, which I should have. Oh. I just jumped right into it. My adrenaline was going. I was ready for it. And then the fifth hole came around. I had like a two-stroke penalty for taking longer than 45 seconds. <laughs> I didn't use my timeouts. I, I I had a lost ball, and I just – I got a 10 spot. I have yet to get anything higher than a six. Oh. Hung a 10 spot, ended with a 43. I was out. Ruined my whole day. <laughs> oh, but I'm back today. I'm back today. <laughs> back out there. That's Start right. A new week. I'm, I'm back into the top golf tournaments where you drive it and you got to hit into these little circular vortexes. And I'm, I'm back in the top 100 leaderboard for that. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling oh, yeah. Good I used to work at Top Golf, Patrick. Believe me, I know all about hitting into the circular vortexes. That's <laughs> that's all I can do. You put me on an actual golf course, and I have no idea what's going on. You people looking at yardage and stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. Is it is it green? Is it blue? Is it white? That that's all I care about. You know. So, I feel you. Yeah, you will like your luck a lot better on WGT golf. <laughs> yeah, than the actual golf. Course. Yeah, I went down to one of those top golf things uh, one time, and RK absolutely embarrassed me. It was fun looking at the screens and all the pretty colors. Like, you're, I think I had one good shot where I got total luck. You know, I got I drove one. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I got a hold of that sucker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you got to try out this WGT. It's a whole lot of fun. Totally free to download. Uh, you can play it on your PC or on your mobile device. You go to dnvrgolf.com. You download that thing. We've got weekly tournaments. You can play real places like Pebble Beach, Bethpage Black, St. Andrews, all that cool stuff. You can challenge us DNVR people anytime. And if you catch Patrick Knappen, if you catch him overconfident, you can take him down. It's like in any sport, right? You don't see it coming. Uh, I did want to talk to you a little bit about the news of the day, but actually, because we got another interesting question uh, on the topic we were just on, I don't want to leave it just yet. Caleb coming in again, um, talking about the middle ground of development between uh, the players and the, the coaches and winning. And if that's ever, you know, in conflict, because we know, and, and I'll add another element to this because this is probably one that you deal with a lot more. And I, I've noticed it too, is the fans, right? And then you as a broadcaster, you're broadcasting presumably for fans, 90% of whom, 80% of whom are Grand Junction Rockies fans. Want to win the games, yep. win the Pioneer League championship, uh, cheer on their boys. 
And when a guy gets called up, when the team's on a roll and now you don't have your best player anymore, or maybe a pitcher who hasn't been there all year comes out and has to throw two innings uh, because he was a draft pick and now he's not even going to be on the team in a week. How do you see the way those things impact the fan base, the coaches, the players, and that whole dynamic? Yeah, they're definitely totally separate. And what I've tried to do is try to find the balance between all that, you know, in moments where someone's thrown four shutout innings and they're just killing it in this start. And you're like, man, this guy could, you know, he's only at like 37 pitches or something ridiculous. He's just mowing through everyone. And then he's out in the next inning. And, you know, you, you're as a baseball fan, your immediate reaction is like, no, like, what do you, what, why? <laughs> so you have to, and you, you have to remember there's people watching and listening that are thinking that same thing. And so I try to be, you know, the voice of reason and, and be like, hey, hey, well, you just have to remember, you know, he's, he's probably pitching again in a couple of days and, you know, he's 19. So let's <laughs> take it easy. Um, so th- those are the kind of things I try to bring up. But as far as the coaches go, I mean, th- those guys want to win. I mean, they, they have so much so much competitive edge to them um, that they, they're out there to win the game. Obviously, the, the, they take a lot of information and instruction from the player development guys and Zach Wilson and, and whatever the agenda is there. Um, but once they know the parameters of how long guys can pitch, you know, how, how many at-bats so-and-so needs, they're going to take that and they're going to put it into the, the best situation to win the game. So you can always guarantee that, especially towards the end of the season with playoffs, those coaches, those players, they're trying to win, uh, you know, throughout the grind of the season. Sure. You know, you'll have guys get pulled early and, and guys that, you know, maybe are three for three that day and you have no idea why they're being taken out of the lineup, but it's just to get that other guy some at bats that maybe hasn't, you know, swung it in a couple of days. So it's tough. And, you know, being overly competitive myself and being a big baseball fan, there's moments happen and you're just like, no, please, no. Like I, I want to call a no hitter, but then <laughs> uh, you just have to remember, you know, it, it's, it's about the big picture. You got, you kind of alluded to this, this idea that, you know, these guys are coming from these, these major colleges and whatnot, and they've got, they're playing two seasons within, you know, one, one season. So you look at a guy like Carl Kaufman, who got drafted uh, by the Rockies. He didn't even make his uh, uh, professional debut with either the Grand Junction Rockies or the Boise Hawks because essentially threw too many innings with the University of Michigan and, you know, had to, had to be tamped down in that way. So there's that element too, for some of the Grand Junction guys where they came in already with a heavy workload and they might be a starter next season, but right now for the Rockies, even if they're, even if they're flashing all signs that they've got the good stuff, they got to be held back a little bit, got to bring in the reins and, you know, can't, can't pitch as much as the fans may want them to. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and especially with things like, Oh, so-and-so's shoulder might be a little bit sore today. You know, if, if they're, if we're in a playoff game, that guy's out there, he's thrown. Absolutely. He's fine. But at this level, it's, you know, his shoulder's a little sore. Okay, we'll 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 scratch the start and we'll we'll get to him next week. You know, and there, there's no rush, no pressure to get those guys out there. Um, you know, unless it really suits to benefit them, that's for sure. That's how Josh Fuentes ended up getting anywhere. Well, he was a he was a bench player, an undrafted bench player who you know the guy ahead of him was a little banged up. They're like, all right, fine, Josh, get out there, yeah. see what happens, and some stuff happened. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I did want to ask you about 
the news of the day. We're all itching for baseball. Uh, on on what level do you intend to consume the KBO? There's there's a baseball game that's going to be on television at 11 o'clock Mountain Time tonight. I'll be glued to it. Uh, will I see you on Twitter? <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, I, for sure I'm going to be on Twitter, I, I, without a doubt. Definitely be on Twitter. Uh, the hard thing for me is I don't have cable, so it makes it tough sometimes to watch these things. Um, but I'll, I'll find a way. I have my sources. Um, but we'll, we'll find it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, this is huge. I, it totally, I mean, I knew that they had talked about trying to do some of this, but I didn't know quite the legs that that idea had. But uh, they uh, props to baseball and ESPN and everyone, the KBO trying to get this to happen because like you said, the world is, is desperate for some baseball right now for sports in general. So I'm going to be consuming it. I'm going to be taking it in and uh, who knows? I mean, we're, I might find a new lifelong guy to root for, you know, you never know. So. That's the hope. I think we're going to jump in. We're going to find some guys to root for. We're going to find a team to adopt we're we're yeah. gonna you know find every little nugget of information about every member of the rockies who's considered yeah. playing in the kbo uh <laughs> patrick's already as everyone knows patrick is uh, down that well and and i'm learning we're all going to be learning together it'll be kind of fun we're all kind of swimming in unknown waters here but uh yeah it'll be fun I, i'm i'm very curious to see what it's like yeah, I am too. It's. I think it's going to be well received. Um, I, I. I can guarantee Rocky's Twitter will consume it well. I mean that. That's just a given. Um, but I think the baseball world is going to be really excited to see this, and and I think even people that would never consider watching a KBO game, I think, are going to be like, you know what? I think I could get into this. <laughs> you know. So I just hope the love for international baseball and everything like that remains, you know, once we get back to some semblance of normality, you know, we can see, you know, I, I think we have a lot of be, being in the world of baseball, working in baseball, you get to see a lot of the international stuff that I don't think the the common, if you will, baseball fan gets to see because I don't know why it's just the marketing. I don't know. Some there's the balls dropped somewhere, but I hope, you know, maybe this will bring attention to something that people are going to start to really get into and, you know, start to love because what's not, it's just baseball. What's not to love. Um, yeah. yeah I, think the, I think the world baseball classic has definitely helped in that. Absolutely. Um, NFL of course is, is only played in, in, in North America. Of course, Canada has their league and, and basketball has some, some top quality, you know, international leagues, uh, same thing for hockey, but with baseball and the, the World Baseball Classic in particular, which should be coming next spring or late winter. So that's right around the corner. Yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, one reason to follow the KBO is, is to learn a little bit about the, the South Korean team uh, that will be playing in the WBC come next late February and March. Absolutely. Yep. Patrick, do you have the line on that game tonight? That's the other great thing about sports being back. <laughs> it's a thing we can do again. We've got we've got DraftKings as a sponsor, which is super awesome. But yep. people are like, well, we had so many people day one be like, awesome. Uh, uh, what do what do we bet on? Was that no me? Yeah. <laughs> but there are sports, and there is a line on the game tonight. That is, yeah. So you'll you'll go to DraftKings. Uh, sports book. Uh, you could sign in and use code DNVR. Of course, there are five games going on, but the game that will be broadcast on ESPN, as Drew said, at 11 p.m. Mountain Standard Time is uh, the NC Dinos, who are at plus 110, and the mm -hmm. Samsung Lions, who are 
minus 139 over unders at eight and a half runs, which of course can't be tied. Hence the and a half. Uh, but yes, if you're, we're, we're going to be coming out with a, a little guide to the, the KBO and, and ultimately why you should care about this. Um, along with some of the Rockies players, I've had connections with the KBO. The NC Dinos last year, I spoke with uh, Sung Wan Oh about Eddie Butler because uh, he had he had a really great start on opening day or, or his first start of the season. He's a former NC Dino uh, from the 2019 squad. And Sung Wan Oh himself came up with the Samsung Lions uh, before he he played uh, with the Hanshin Tigers, I believe, in Japan. So there's some history here between those two teams and the Colorado Rockies. So uh, choose wisely when you're on DraftKings on the sports book. There's, um, there's an episode of The West Wing where they're betting on football, and the president in that show went to school at Notre Dame, and they're talking about all of their betting strategies. And his strategy is to bet on whichever NFL team has the most players out of Notre Dame. And so I kind of feel like betting on whichever KBO team has the most association with the Rockies, or least if you think, <laughs> if you want to go the other way with it. I think that's a very, that's a very present Bartlett thing to do. And then he asks one of his aides, like the young guy who's just like his body man or whatever. It's like, why? What's your strategy? He says, I compare the records of the two teams. <laughs> I guess you could do that. <laughs> I mean, I like to go off jerseys and mascots myself, but, you know, that that's just me. So. There's a team called the SK Wyverns, and I've yet to figure out what a Wyvern is. So. Yeah, what is it? Wyvern? It's it's like a legend. This is where all my years of being a fantasy nerd have come in handy. <laughs> is it a wizard? It's a it's a snake dragon type thing. White wyvern wyvern. I've never known one hundred percent how to pronounce it, but it's it's common in fantasy lore. Uh, uh, yeah, the things the useless information during quarantine. Not no information is useless anymore. No, definitely not. <laughs> Uh, from Twitter, Kyle, um, question was was asked by by Connor Pierce about what your favorite sports moment that you've broadcasted so far uh, in your early career does one or more jump out to you at this point? Ooh, man. Um, thinking back, I think mother. <laughs> one of the first ones. There you go. Nice. And one of the first ones I, I think of is uh, when I worked, I, I got to spend two summers interning for the Bourne Braves in the Cape Cod Baseball League. And uh, we got a chance to broadcast an inning on Fox College Sports, which was pretty fantastic. A lot of fun. But for me, I think that experience was mostly um, not ruined, but I look back on that and just remember being terrified the entire time because it was like the, the first huge broadcast thing I had gotten to do. And it was like, oh my God, like, what if I screw up? You know, it was every, you're thinking of every worst case scenario. So now looking back, that was a lot of fun and really cool. And, you know, I, I listened back to that tape and I'm like, oh my God, like you could have said something else. You could have done this. You could, but um, that was pretty awesome looking back, especially, although terrifying in the moment. Um, but I think, I mean, my, one of my best memories is just sitting, sitting down in the press box in Ogden for opening day last year. And just sitting down and realizing that, you know, my dreams of getting to call a professional baseball game were literally about to come true. And uh, it was overwhelming, exciting. I mean, every possible emotion you can imagine was going through me. And I mean, for, for a lot of people listening, I'm sure just like, oh, well, I got to call a Pioneer League game. Woo. You know, for me, that a huge accomplishment. And I was so excited. Um, 
And I'll always remember sitting there and being like, I can't believe I'm about to do this. This is so cool. Um, but one, one of the things that was super reassuring to me throughout the whole season, having grown up always wanting to be a sports broadcaster, in, in particular do baseball, was, you know, we, we play the 76-game season. And every time I got up and sat in the booth that day, I was super excited to call a game. You know, I, it never at one point was I like, ah, I don't really want to do this today, you know, and to see that I hadn't gotten sick of it at all was super reassuring and been like, you know what, you, you're, you're following your dreams, you're getting to do what you want to do. And truly, this is your passion. So it's really hard for me to pick out one moment because I truly enjoy every opportunity I get to call one of these games. So, um, you know, you can point to different walk offs and, you know, double plays or whatnot, but man, just getting to sit down hit the go live button on the laptop and realize that you're the voice of this baseball game is just the coolest thing on the planet. What about weird? What about weirdest moments? Do you have anything that during a broadcast, because we know <laughs> that baseball is unpredictable. Broadcasts are unpredictable. Live broadcasts as we're doing right now can be unpredictable. Yes. Uh, especially in minor league baseball, anything. Yeah happen in my baseball um well it was interesting last season we had to I, I, i'm trying to remember if we canceled it. i think we had to cancel the game because uh the sprinkler just wouldn't turn off in in center field and just like soaked the entire outfield and made it just a, a mud pit so it's one of those things where you're trying to update people during the broadcast or on twitter and you don't really know what's going on you, you think it has something to do with the sprinkler obviously but you <laughs> bubble sort of bubbling up in left field and you're like okay that's probably not good but like can they play on that I don't know so you're you're trying to tell everyone what's happening and you really have no idea so definitely different like cancellations and rain delays and all that stuff that's always fun I mean I remember being down I think it was like the second to last game of the regular season down in Colorado Springs um that it just would not stop raining but they were, everyone was hell bent on getting this game in. And we must have sat around for two or three hours just waiting for the rain to stop. And it was like, you keep going on the air every 30 minutes and being like, still no updates, but uh, we'll let you know. <laughs> so sorry to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not, a, and everyone thinks, you know, you have the, you're, you're a weather reporter. And I'm like, no, I have, I have no idea. Like, there's a tarp on the field and there's rain falling from the sky. That's all I can tell you. It, there's some dark clouds over there. Doesn't look great, but who knows? So it, it's tough to find a really particular moment, but it's just like navigating those little strange occurrences is, is still weird to me. So, you know, someday I'm sure there'll be like, you know, a, a, a bird will land on home plate and somebody will hit the bird. You'll Randy Johnson, something crazy will happen. A, a foul pole will fall over, but still nothing that crazy yet. I think it was Casey Stengel who said, Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes the sprinklers come on and you have to get <laughs> I think that's right. Uh, you, you mentioned the Cape Cod League, and I'm, I'm fascinated yeah. with summer collegiate ball because I, I spent the, the summer of 2018 calling play-by-play -play for right. the Boulder Collegians. And, you know, that was a fantastic dream come true. And, and Cape Cod is is you know, the epitome of summer collegiate baseball. So for anyone who's never been to one of those games, either here in Colorado, we've got two leagues, um, the, the mile high collegiate baseball league and I'm drawn a blank on, on the other one, but we do actually have two that that one's owned by second one's owned by Jason Hirsch for, for anyone who hasn't been to a summer collegiate game, what can they expect? And particularly what are the games like in Cape Cod baseball in its purest form? 
I mean, it's, it's the best way I can put it. I mean, it's, it, it's sort of along the lines of minor league baseball where there's just the, the commercial aspect really is just not part of the game. And these guys are out there, especially in these college uh, summer leagues where they've got like personal vendettas against someone who's their, you know, conference rival or whatever. And so they see that guy's pitching that day and they're out there just with this killer instinct, um, which is really fun. And then you got guys that you never think would, you know, ever get along because, you know, one plays for, you know, Duke and one plays for North Carolina or something like that. And then they all show up here and they're best buds in the dugout and, you know, you can't separate them all summer. Um, Cape Cod is just so great because, I mean, obviously, you're in Cape Cod, first of all. I mean, like, come on. Where, where to start, yeah. Exactly. Like, that's where you're starting. So, like, the very worst-case scenario, you're in Cape Cod. Um, but the games are so fun because you, it, the, the towns are so passionate about these teams uh, because you know, not only because of the history, but because you have so many of these, these people that live there are host families or, or they've been tied to the team forever. And so they've seen all these incredible stars come through and had them live in their house and have become these role models for their kids. And it's this this family atmosphere that is just so impossible. I can't imagine replicating it anywhere else because except in, in summer collegiate baseball, because these guys and these these families get to be together all the time. And the families are into it just as much as the coaches and the players are that there's just this you know, all this support and all this love and all this, it's just everything you love about baseball happening all summer. It's like the feeling of little league baseball, but the product on the field is quite a bit better. A little right? better. Yeah. Description <laughs> actually. Yeah. Because, yeah. Cause they're not played in stadiums per se. No. Right. Yeah. They're so playing, well. they're playing at high school fields. You know, they're, they're playing at the local high school and you know, then you get to go to, you know, Chatham. And you get to, you know, you, if you've seen Summer Catch, you know, you already know what that's all about and you're all excited. And I mean, it's just, you you can't even put into words how incredible that experience is. And as a fan, as a player, as a coach, whatever, you're going to absolutely love it. There's nothing better than sitting on a bleacher somewhere watching the best college baseball players in the world going head to head. It's just, it's so great. I can't, you got to go. You have to go. 100%. Highly recommend. Also 100% highly recommend taking in a Colorado Raptors rugby game if you get the opportunity to when they come back. Infinity Park is basically perfect for watching rugby and for watching sports, so I can't wait till we get to go uh, back out there. I've, I've watched now. We've been doing the DMVR watches. There's usually one on the weekend, one on the weekday. Uh and I don't know if you know the guy Kyle. We we'll, we'll gotta we gotta put you in contact with the. Uh, we gotta get Colton involved with the play by play guy for the Raptors because he is absolutely stellar. Uh, he sort of reminds me of like a, a like a WWE style. He's got that thick New Zealand accent. Oh, I love it. One of his calls when somebody made a big mistake right at the end, and he said something like, and Jonathan Williams will never sleep again. It's just like, yes, dude. Uh, so, yeah, we I, I'm blanking on his name right now. But uh, tune into those DNVR watches on Saturday and Sunday for the Raptors games. Use that hashtag DNVR watches. Uh, make sure you check out the podcast from Colton where he's explaining uh, rugby to you. Very plainly, very easy to understand all the rules. He breaks it down in 101 pods. He's also got interviews with players up there. 
Uh, you're supporting local sports. You get to watch some local sports, even though they're old games. If you haven't watched them before, they're new to you. So uh, check them out. Uh, you can be a huge rugby fan. And then when they do get back out there on the field, you can head out to Infinity Park. You'll be an expert. That's right. Um, so, and also, oh, I do have one other one. I got I to gotta put these back to back because I do also have to assume because just for wind resistance reasons, most of those guys are manscaped. I'd say 70% of rugby players, they got to be manscaped. You can't have all that extra drag. You got to get the, so they use the promo code DNVR 20 and got 20% off with free shipping. Not only that, I don't know if you guys have seen a, a scrum, but you kind of get into some armpits, faces, get into places. You might so for everyone's benefit, not only do you want to stay manscaped so that that long run down the field, you have no wind resistance, but the smell you got to smell pretty. That's probably not the word that rugby players are going to use, but for me, when I use manscaped. I smell pretty. That's what I want everyone to know. Uh, actually, though, legitimately, it smells awesome. And if if my head was going to be in some guy's crotch doing a rugby game, I will have hoped that he will have used the Manscaped toner. That's 100% a fact of life. <laughs> uh, so uh, to somehow get us back uh, onto yeah. the baseball. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, but... Uh, <laughs> the best I could do. Uh <laughs> Uh, well, and, and as you know, uh, you know, that's, that's a, a part of the gig. One of the yep. things that, that we all do, uh, these days, one of the things that we all do these days is, ex is exist a little bit more digitally and online. So I want to put you on the spot here okay. and ask you for a, for a favor, even though oh. we won't, but yeah, immediately. I mean, I just, uh, I feel like this is kind of, I, I know, mean, I know. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm coming. I'm going hard here at this right. point. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That's all except we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. The good news is there's a chance. The thing that I'm about to suggest is universally agreed upon to be stupid. And therefore oh. we, we won't do it. <laughs> okay. I have okay. no idea what Jew is about to ask. By the way. Full disclosure. Reassuring. Great. Awesome. <laughs> totally ruining my relationship uh. with Kylie over Drew. <laughs> You bring a guest on, I will bombard them by putting them on the spot and asking them to do something for us. Um, something that Patrick and I have, have been considering doing and, and are going to take a run at at some point this week is run a sim of Rockies games on MLB The Show, but classic Rockies versus modern Rockies. We're talking... Pedro Astacio versus John Gray or Harmen uh, Marquez versus Ubaldo Jimenez. Uh, we got a 90s team, a 2000 to 2010 team, and then a 2010 to now, I guess, team. And if we can get it to work, Patrick and I are going to run some and do a little play-by-play -play commentary. But we'd love to have you in, maybe even for just a few innings or whatever for one of those. Gotcha. Uh, if, if you need to scratch the itch and come by and call some baseball uh, and uh, maybe get to call a Larry Walker home run, it won't be a real one. <laughs> that That's okay. I'm all for it. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, you're scared to ask that? What you just... You were scared to ask a broadcaster if he wants to broadcast baseball. <laughs> I would expect something way worse than that. So this is great. Love it. <laughs> I'm glad I, that, that just ended up being a softening of the ground. That's, that's fair. It's a smart play. 
I don't know. Maybe you've got exclusive rights. You got deals. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got to check with yeah my people on that. Yeah, I'll talk to my agent. And get back to you. Yeah, no. uh, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So um, hopefully, people out there will let us know if if they think that's fun. If not, I guess it'll just be the three of us having fun. Or something hey, like I mean that. that's cool with me. That's fine. So that's great. So Grand Grand Junction, I'll, I'll be the one who kind of gets this this part going I, instead of drew but i, I know drew you're gonna get there grand junction um, colorado how, how great of a place is it how much have you enjoyed it um you know you're is the fruit that much better are the peaches that amazing yes that they are oh, sorry was that not for me <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to make it a little easier now after you put him on the spot thank you i appreciate that no the so i'm not really a huge peach fan to begin with but i love palisade peaches so it i think that sort of speaks for itself um i my as i said earlier my whole dad's side of the family grew up over here and so i'd been coming to grand junction and the western slope for as long as i can remember um you know we go going to do all the classic things you know we we go get instrums ice cream all the time i mean that's that's like graham central station is without a doubt my favorite ice cream flavor of all time and i know you have access to that in denver but it's not the same unless you get it from grand junctions instruments i'm just telling you um but i've been coming over here for years i i love i love the community it obviously has a special place in my heart with those those family ties uh but i did something the other day i went uh or two days ago i went and i hiked mount garfield which um, is in my mind, I thought was like, like the Manitoba Springs incline. Like everyone, if you're from there, you just do it. It's just like, it's no big deal. And so I watched like a little video about it. Someone made a little hiking trail guide or whatever. And, you know, it's like people were saying it takes like two to four hours and it's pretty steep in places. And I was like, eh, I don't, it can't be that bad. Like I see people climbing up those book lifts all the time. Like can't be that bad. And so I went in with like my small bottle of water and I was like, yeah, we're going to do this. This will be a piece of cake, knock it out. And uh, it was one of the hardest hikes I've ever done in my life. So <laughs> it, it, uh, I'm also like 15 pounds heavier because of the quarantine. So I'm sure that didn't help. Uh, <laughs> but the, it, was, it was a tough hike. That being said, the view on the top, I mean, seeing all the way from Palisade all the way towards Fruta, the monument, the mesa, it's just so awesome to get to see. Um, they've obviously got the flag up there on the top, so you feel like you've achieved something, you know, when you get up there. Um, but I've, I've loved Grand Junction. Everybody here has been so great to me. Uh, it's been so much fun to get to to be a part of this community that – had you know, had you told me 15 years ago that I'd be living here and this would just be my every day, it, it was just it would it would have seemed so weird. But now getting to be out here and obviously having my family out here, which is great, getting to see them so much more now than I than I did when I was living in Denver, obviously. So um, it's been a lot of fun. But I have a lot more hikes to do. Obviously, I haven't had too many chances to hike recently, but. The Mount Garfield, I, I've checked it off. Uh, I've done a lot of hikes up in the monument. So, Drew, if you have any recommendations, I'm definitely open to hearing those. I'm not the biggest hiker. <laughs> okay. All right. But, no, I mean, I've, I've done a bunch of the trails up really, on the monument. Because when, really. when you live out there, you, you kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite places to go there really is just uh, up on the Mesa. And I can't remember. There's, there's a lookout point up on the Grand Mesa with another stellar view, similar to the Mount Garfield one, uh, but you drive there. 
Uh, <laughs> there we go. All right. Now you're talking. Okay. Uh, my mom's got Palisade Rim Trail. So yeah, my my home that I grew up in is technically out in in Palisade. So kind of on the East Orchard Mesa, up up okay. out in that area. Um, went to school at Central High School. Go Warriors, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a ton of school pride. I don't know. Whatever. We 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 did all right. We were okay. We did fun. Uh, but it, do yeah, I was gonna say like, do people still cruise North Avenue and go to the Mesa Mall? Like, what is what do what's the thing to do in Grand Junction now? I'm disconnected. What are the what are the guys? You got a lot of 19 and 20 year olds out there. That was the one time I didn't want to be there. Yeah, well, I mean, I would say the thing to do is go see a Grand Junction Rockies game. I mean, that obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in there. Uh-huh. Yeah, boom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, here's my plug. Um, but no, I mean, especially if you if you're going to school at Mesa, like. I mean, it's right across oh. the street. Like, come on, you have to go to go to Grand Junction Rockies game, cheap and fun. Anyways, aside from that, um, it's been tough to see because normally I've when I would come out here to see family, it was always during the summer. Uh, so I, that's kind of the only way I knew Grand Junction was. Yep, it's going to be 95, 105 degrees. It's going to be really hot. You're going to be sitting by the pool and sweating the whole time. And so that's sort of how I looked at it. But now having, I mean, I got to spend January to now here. So I kind of got to see a glimpse of those, those winter months. And it's obviously a little more quiet during that time, obviously, especially in Palisade. I mean, if you're taking away summer from Palisade, that's uh, tough. Um, but, um, you know, I'm not the hippest, coolest guy on the planet. So I'm not really the one to ask these sort of questions. Um, but I... I think you have to experience the outdoors. I mean, you have to experience right. everything that the Western Slope has to offer. And even if that means, uh, you know, going into Utah and doing stuff there, I mean, you, you've got so many great options that are just on your doorstep. Um, I love, I love, uh, was it Charcoal Burger in Glenwood Springs? That's always a highlight for me. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, I'll have to check that out. You'll absolutely have to check that out. It takes about 25 to 45 minutes to get a shake through the drive-thru. So prepare yourself for that. <laughs> it's absolutely worth it. I highly recommend. So I'm not quite sure what the cool hip thing is to do because my Friday nights are usually spent at the ballpark. Uh, but in my mind, that's the coolest thing I could be doing. So plenty more to experience for sure. For sure. We can't talk argue with that. Talk about ice cream. You talk about the ballpark. Yep. I have not lost my little mini helmets that I got ice cream when I went to Saplesio Field. How good is the ice cream uh, at Grand Junction Rockies games? And conversely, how do you keep the weight off when you're in a press box in a baseball stadium with all the food options that are there? It's easier when you're on the air. You can't really consume as many calories. I was going to say, who are we asking that for? Because I, I could all, I would also like to know an answer to this question. Yeah. The, uh, I, ice cream's great, obviously. And any ice cream that's served in a helmet, a little mini helmet, is, is going to be better. It doesn't matter. I don't care if, if it's got a Dodgers logo on it, uh, what, whatever. It's, it's going to be good. It, mm-hmm. hey, come on. Um, uh, no, you're right. No, you're right. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> there's, some, there's some chemical in the plastic of the helmet that really brings that's out. That's got to be it. Toys. Yeah, the, the dairy probably just gets it to leach into the ice cream. And it's, yeah, that's it. That's the key. That's the key. Um, yeah, the ice cream can't go wrong. As far as staying lean while consuming ballpark food, it's not possible. 
Uh, it would require um, a lot more physical activity than I'm willing to put in. Um, but <laughs> it is, um, I, I mean, obviously ballpark food is great, but then going on to all the visiting ballparks and, and checking out everything, you know, everyone else does. They Everyone's got their form of the churro dog or their Rocky dog or whatever. Everyone's got something. Um, I remember distinctly going into uh, going to Orem and they have a hot dog that is covered in mac and cheese, um, which is indulgent and delicious. What is that face, Drew? Go on, go on. I just, it was more of a co contemplative. Uh, okay, okay. I was like, what's that to like here? Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, really. And it's like that. It's kind of a white cheddar mac and cheese. So it's a little bit, it's not just like some craft, you know, out of the box. This is some high quality mac and cheese. Um, so, I mean, experiencing stuff like that is great, but then, I mean, you, you eat that, you, you sort of have to nurse it through the game, you know, maybe a bite every other inning or something like that, or else you're just, you know, I'd be asleep through the fifth inning and it, it wouldn't be good. So, um, love the ballpark food. It's been tough to, uh, especially now that you give me, you know, the quarantine 15, that's not great. Um, this is supposed to be the time where I'm not eating like I am at the ballpark or like I'm on the road. Um. Uh, but yeah, I'm all in on the ballpark food. Absolutely. Players are trying to, 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 you know, cut weight right now and try to acclimate as if it were spring training and, and get in shape. So yeah, you, you should be right there too. This is your opportunity. That's a, that's a good point. I didn't look at it that way. I'm already getting into in-season form. That's a great, <laughs> way to do that. that's what I'm going to say. That's what I'm going to say. That's fantastic. And that, yeah, now we got Mary wanting ice cream out of the, out of a big helmet though. Not a little mini one. The adult-sized one. Yeah. Full adult-sized ice cream helmet. Well, so we... Not, you want, you want one out of a small helmet like this. Right. You want one out of a out of a helmet like this. Oh, man. Like, like You're an so prepared. Wow. I, I come Look with this guy. Well, one is was for nachos. This one was for the the boysenberry. I think you're right. Isn't that one of the flavors? Like boysenberry? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yep. good. And then this was a gigantic helmet of nachos that I okay. almost immediately got a tummy ache out of. But... You could scoop some ice cream in here, sure. Okay, so will you tell me next time we do this, you're going to have a bowl full of that ice cream. I want it in that isotopes helmet, the full thing. The interview's just, not over until I'm done. So yeah, that's right. It's going to be a while. Long Patrick versus food. That's what we're going to do. It's going to be great. <laughs> awesome. Well, we've already booked what to do next time then. We'll have to do some of that. We'll have to have you call a classic game. Kyle, man, thanks so much. For taking the time to hang out with us dude. yeah it's a pleasure guys and i do want to say i mean i i have like i said been following you guys obviously for years just being a rockies fan and i've absolutely loved everything you guys have done with uh, dnvr I, i'm so excited for you uh one of the first places i need to go when i come back to the front range and when we get all this settled i need to go to the bar i am so excited to try that spot out um but super excited everything you guys have been doing is great and i've loved following along so great job guys thank you well, thank you, everybody out there. Make sure you're following Kyle. I've got it up here still, I think. No, nope. what's give us a shout out your Twitter. Oh, there it is at Kyle T. Kirch. There it is. Yep. And the T is not a middle initial, it stands for the Kirch. So <laughs> uh, people might actually not follow me now that I've just said that, but that is the, that was my dad's nickname in high school was the Kirch. And so I sort of adopted that and threw that in there. So Kyle, there you go. There you go. Love it. <sighs> That's fantastic. So make sure you're following him. Uh, whenever we all get started up again, make sure you tune in with your Grand Junction Rockies as well as your Colorado Rockies, as I'm sure all of you out there will. Make sure you're subscribed to the DNVR.com, buying some merch, 
uh, doing what you can to help out all of our sponsors during this time, if it is within your means. Everybody stay safe out there. Uh, for Patrick and Kyle, I've been Drew Creaseman. You all have been absolutely awesome. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.